Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. From Jesus' own words, we know that the noblemen from Capernaum came to Jesus for a sign. He is a wealthy guy who comes seeking healing for his son, who he has left at home next to death. He wants a miracle and is willing to beg. So what does Jesus give to him, the miracle he's looking for? Not exactly, but instead a word. The official said to to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Then Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Notice that no sign or wonder was done before the man's eyes. Jesus didn't leave Capernaum and go down, or leave Canaan to go down to Capernaum and then heal the man's son. He didn't touch the boy, didn't call out to him, he didn't give him one of Miracle Max's potions. No miracle or sign to see. And not even his word seems all that miraculous. Jesus did not say, go, your son is healed, or go, your son, all is better now. Simple words were uttered. Your son lives. While this man comes to Jesus, noble and bold, seeking signs and wonders, Jesus sends him away quite a different man. Now a simple man trusting only in a word of promise. Your son lives. This is because no one truly believes by signs and wonders. When good fortune has come your way, you were probably quick to credit the doctors or your employer or the government or even luck before you gave God the glory, the one by whom all good comes. You had your sign and you didn't believe it came from God. You see, faith does not come by seeing or experiencing. Faith comes by hearing. Again, we still seek signs from God before faith. So we want God to give us spectacular displays and pageantry, glorious anthems, beautiful surroundings, miraculous congregational growth, overflowing wealth, a school bursting at the seams. We think that if we have those things, then our faith will grow, and we will, of course, prosper in it. But does God give us these signs and wonders? Does he seek to impress you to be the biggest church and school in town? Elsewhere, someone comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Those were scribes. And in that request, they are not alone. We imagine that if we could see some kind of dramatic intervention from God, then it would not be difficult to believe anymore. And perhaps, though, most of the time, we don't really think much about God. But, of course, when we're in trouble, that's the time to turn to God in prayer for a miracle, a sign, a wonder. Sometimes, I think in our doubt, we're even just seeking to give God a chance to prove to us that he even exists. So we look under every rock for signs from God. We believe that even the small events in our lives are signs, even though God has not attached a word of promise to such things, and thus there's no way to actually verify whether that sign was given for faith. 
show me a sign and then I'll know what to do. Or, it's a sign from God, we say. It's especially true, again, when things get rough. We seek guidance and help from God and even believe that he can speak through, well, things that he has not promised to use, like our gut instinct or the stars and planets, the horoscope, or even just some kind of absent hope grounded in no word. False teachers tell you to trust in worldly signs without God's word. Even under the guise of Christianity, they tell you that if you have enough faith, God will answer your prayers with great things. If you believe with enough passion, if you really feel that you believe, then he'll, he'll do what you ask. Pray hard. Believe that God will bless you abundantly and you'll be rich beyond comparison, they say. You can have your best life now if you have faith like a mountain that can move mountains. Miracles happen to those who love God completely. Not seeing the miracle, maybe your faith has grown cold. It's almost as if we're trying to convince God to love us. But then we go about our lives paralyzed, waiting for him to give us a sign so that we can finally believe and hope and trust in him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Of course, God does give signs and wonders, but he attaches his word to those to which you trust. For example, the rainbow was a sign that God would never again destroy the world by a flood. We heard today from Genesis that the stars and planets were given for signs and for seasons. No one disputes that Jesus worked any great signs, greater signs even beyond that of the prophets or Moses. The beginning of our gospel today reminded us that Jesus had turned water into wine at that wedding at Cana. And later, loaves and fishes are multiplied to feed 5,000. Peter was given to walk on water. The storms were commanded to be still. The sick were healed. The lame leapt like deer, etc. Even the adversaries of Jesus conceded that he worked signs beyond anything that they had ever seen or heard. But why? He never worked miracles to impress people or to make himself famous or, if we take him seriously today, even to be believed. Actually, to do signs and wonders to be believed was one of Satan's temptations that Jesus resisted. Remember? Turn these rocks into bread, said Satan. And Jesus responded, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Word first, signs follow. So the signs and wonders recorded by the evangelists of Jesus aren't given to make you think that he's impressive or even to make you think he's worth listening to. The signs and wonders show the character of God, the mercy of God, and that his kingdom comes in the Messiah Jesus. These signs are given as proof that God has done exactly what he had promised, the word of prophecy first fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus. The signs themselves don't grant faith, but they do confirm it. He used his power to help others, but never help himself. He used signs and wonders to reveal the mercy of God and God's presence with his people. For those who had eyes to see, that is, eyes enlightened by the ears, 
his miracles revealed that the kingdom of God was at hand and that the Messiah, long promised in the word, had come. But why did Jesus not perform such signs to try to convince his adversaries? Or why does God not allow such signs to be given to us today? Remember that when people asked Jesus for a sign, he answered that they would only receive this sign, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, he meant two things by the sign of Jonah. That is the story that we all learned in Sunday school, swallowed by the fish and spit out or vomited out on the earth after three days. In part, it was the powerful preaching of repentance by which Jonah brought even the proud Ninevites to their needs, sackcloth and ashes. But in part, it was also a reference to his own death and resurrection. This is also the sign that you can expect. You hear preaching so that you repent and believe the gospel. And of course, you are confronted too, like Jonah, with the fact that Jesus died and rose again for you. That's enough. That you repent, believe the gospel, that Jesus Christ died to forgive you and rose again on the third day for your justification. It's enough. In the words of Jesus, there resides a power that touches our conscience and appeals to all our souls that are of the truth. We know the accusation of the law, we hear the promise of forgiveness, and we believe that in God, or God in Christ, it has been done. But even with that word, if we don't have a conscience that's been opened to the voice of God, no sign will ever avail. Remember, King Herod wished to see a sign from Jesus. He did not receive it. He had already had his sign when John the Baptist stood before him and spoke soberly and directly to the spot that was most sensitive in Herod's life, the one that everybody talked about in hushed tones. And when Herod silenced that voice of his conscience by putting John's head on a platter, he received no other demonstration, no other sign, no other wonder. And not even Jesus answered him a word. This is what it means to become a faithless and unbelieving generation. And we are to beware that we demand signs, thinking that we will then repent once we've been thoroughly convinced that God is truly present and active amongst us. Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. What's he getting at? As with the centurion, or the widow at Nain, or the begging Canaanite woman, or the nobleman from Capernaum. Jesus is speaking rhetorically to test her faith. Will this man believe solely in the word spoken, or will he only believe if he has the sign? Jesus deals with us just like he dealt with that nobleman at Capernaum. It is enough for you to have the, his word of promise simply heard. Jesus died for you to forgive you. It's enough. And it's finished. Everything we do rests not on seeking signs and wonders, but trusting only in the whole counsel of God. We hear his word. We dwell richly in his doctrine. We meditate upon what he has said day and night, evening and morning. And then our confidence, hope, and trust are not in signs and wonders, but rather in his promises. Because a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and again, no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
That sign of Jonah is Jesus' death and resurrection. Just like the prophet Jonah, Jesus came preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And they murdered him for it. Jesus was buried three days in the belly of the earth, but the earth could not hold him. Just as Jonah was vomited from his watery tomb, so Christ birthed forth on Easter morning, proclaiming the resurrection for you who believe. John the Baptist recognized the sign when he pointed towards the cross. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, said Paul. Only the devil and his hosts seek to take you away from the word of gospel, the good news, and instead to look after for some kind of proof in signs and wonders. Only the devil would have you trust in worldly signs and earthly wisdom. Instead, be strong in the Lord by taking up every word of his promise as your shield and weapon. Trust in his promises and you will never die. Trust in Christ, his word, and you will find peace that surpasses understanding and joy beyond measure. The only sign you need is the cross of Christ, which is the sign that God answers your every prayer. You may not be always convinced by the way your life goes, by the signs and wonders of your life. Life has horrible moments. Even now, wars and rumors of wars surround us. Are they signs of some kind of judgment against us? Jesus says it's the earth groaning with birth pangs, a sign of the death of this body and the ultimate destruction of this world. But when Jesus speaks his good news, you believe in life, resurrection, and eternal life. When he says you are forgiven, his word does what it says. Even when he attaches that word of forgiveness to signs like his body and blood under bread and wine, it is done. Just as he spoke at the beginning, so he speaks even today. You are forgiven and your sins are forgiven. It does what it says. Your conscience is freed, your guilt is pardoned, your shame is removed. And there, even without signs and wonders, his word does what it says. In the word of Jesus, you receive every hope, joy, and comfort that God gives. And thus, the greater sign has already appeared. You don't need to look elsewhere. Christ has died your death so that you will never die. He lives so that you will even now live eternally. And that word is enough. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.